Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Borg Warner. Feel good about driving. Bridgestone. Your journey. Our passion. Dow Automotive Systems. Improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. And by the 2013 Hyundai Sonata. Learn more at HyundaiSonata.com. Welcome to AutoLine Daily. Later on in the show, we'll get to your questions and comments in the segment that we call You Said It. But now, let's get to the news. Volvo is refreshing three of its models for the Geneva show next month, and it's introducing a number of new safety-related technologies. One of those is what they call road sign information. It uses two video cameras mounted near the top of the windshield that, among other things, can read road signs and display them on the instrument panel. So just in case you missed the sign and were wondering what the speed limit is, the car will tell you how fast you should be going. You've probably heard about this argument between Elon Musk and the New York Times over a review of the Tesla S and how the reviewer said he could not get the driving range that Tesla claims. We've avoided covering the story because it seems so much ado about nothing. But what it does highlight is that electric cars will lose significant range in cold weather and at highway speeds. In my own experience in test driving the Chevy Volt and Nissan Leaf, the range can drop by as much as 40% when the thermometer reads 25 degrees Fahrenheit or minus 4 Celsius. Range also drops dramatically in the latest generation hybrids if you merely try to keep up with traffic or drive at 70 miles an hour on the highway. You know, I think all this helps explain why these so-called green cars only account for a small sliver of the market. If they only work as promised, if you drive them slowly in warm weather, they're never going to achieve a significant amount of market share. It's been reported lately that BMW passed Mercedes-Benz as the top luxury sales leader in the American market. But as we know, dealers and automakers sometimes play games with their raw sales numbers. According to Mercedes, if you look at the actual registrations where new car owners have to register their cars, which one can argue is a more accurate sales number, MB tops BMW by nearly 5,500 units. Registrations almost never match up with raw sales because some cars might have been stolen, some might have been exported, or even destroyed in an accident. When you compare the discrepancy between the two companies, Mercedes only overstated its sales by 11 units, whereas BMW is over by 13,000. As Spock would say, fascinating, Captain. The all-new Flying Spur from Bentley is the company's fastest, most powerful four-door sedan it's ever made. It's powered by a twin-turbo W12 motor mated to an eight-speed automatic that rockets the Spur to 60 miles an hour in just 4.3 seconds. The interior and exterior of the Flying Spur have classic Bentley styling cues with the comfort and refinement that we've come to expect from the company. The Spur will make its global debut next month at the Geneva Show. Every day we peek into the, uh, the mailbag at Autoline.tv and without fail it's filled with all kinds of goodies from you, voracious car fans. And when one of you turns up an obscure vehicle, we feature it in our Barn Finds segment. Since we had zero luck stumping you last week, 
were going with a car that even we could not ID. This minivan comes from Burt Burroughs, who says he spied it while at a rest stop in Holland, Michigan. He tells us all the badges were covered up, but the logo was not. While he could not get a clear shot of it, Burt describes it as two arrows pointed up inside a circle. So all you smarty pants out there, what is it? Let us know your best guesses in the comment section and we'll report back later. Coming up right after this, even more gems from the mailbag as we dive into You Said It. You know why I pulled you over, ma'am? I need you to recalibrate the Doppler shift on the return signal. Radar's on the frisk. Do Sonata drivers know something you don't? The Sonata from Hyundai. And now it's time for some of your feedback. Vim Van Acker noted that we reported, the general rule of thumb is the break-even point for the industry is 80% capacity utilization. Anything above that is pure profit. John, he says, the OEM has to pay its suppliers, roughly 70% of the revenue per car, and for all the materials it purchases itself to build the vehicle. So, not pure profit. Vim is right, of course. What I should have added is that once an automaker hits 80% capacity utilization, it's paid for all the investment in the product, the plant, and the equipment. In other words, it's covered all of its fixed costs. The variable costs, which Vim refers to, varies with how many cars get built. Speaking of capacity utilization, Phoenix Mark asks a great question. What does it mean when a factory runs at over 100% capacity? I know what happens when a sewage treatment plant runs at over 100% capacity. It is not a pretty picture. Phoenix, all automakers calculate their manufacturing capacity based on running two shifts a day, five days a week, for eight hours for each shift. So if they run any overtime, or if they run on three shifts, they'll exceed that 100% calculation. Lex wants to know, when will we see solar panels integrated into the roof of your average car or truck? Lex, Mazda actually offered that some years ago. The panel ran a small fan in the car that blew out hot air in the cabin in the summertime. Solar panels are coming down in price, but they don't put out much power. Have you ever seen those solar-powered race cars that are covered in solar panels? They generate enough power to run an electric hair dryer on full blast. So for now at least, solar panels on cars or trucks are not a cost-effective way to make vehicles more efficient. SeaTac says, that three-door Seat Leon SC looks great. I do wish the big three would bring back the hot hatch with two doors, not four. And I agree. They sort of go with compact pickup trucks. Everyone knows there's demand for them in the U.S. market, but so far, no one's doing anything to meet that demand. Even so, I do think we'll see those hot hatches make a comeback in the next couple of years. Ivan Sears liked my commentary on the UAW, and it sounds like he works at one of the transplants. If you have actually been in, worked in, a transplant, you are aware that the people there work hard, play hard, and contribute to product and process enhancement every day. True, there's little tolerance for slack work efforts and absenteeism, but they remain great places to work. So yes, the UAW must sell themselves as more than just organized labor. They must truly answer the question of, what's in it for me to every associate? 
a daunting task for folks in states that are not supportive of unions in the first place. Pretty good commentary there, Sears. Hey, thanks for all your questions and comments. We really like to get to them. And before we go, remember to join us tomorrow night for AutoLine After Hours. Our guest will be Charlie Hughes, who used to run Land Rover in North America, amongst other things. He really has a lot to say about branding. So join me and the auto extremist Peter DeLorenzo for the best insider information in the business. And that wraps up today's report. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.